1: For investors who want the whole story, this is the Corlin Economics Report. Hey,
2: everyone. Welcome back to the second hour of the weekend edition of the KE Report, as we have been doing for the last probably month or two now. We are replaying a couple of the more popular segments from this week, starting off with Dana Lyons, posted on Thursday. Hey everyone, welcome in to another daily editorial here on the KE Report. Corey and Chad here chatting with Dana Lyons, fund manager based out of Chicago, as well as editor of the Share Pro website, which I will link to below this interview. Dana, uh, as we usually do, we'll get some of your updated calls, what your models are telling you for a few different sectors here. We'll start off with U.S. equity markets. This week, or at least the last couple trading days, a bit of weakness came into the markets, and today we're seeing a little bit of a rebound. Seems like any time we see some weakness in the markets, we do hear from people saying, oh, bigger corrections coming. Look at the recent run that we've had. This is the start of maybe another bear market maybe another more significant pullback. What are your thoughts? Do you think the recent weakness could be finally that uh, larger term pullback that a lot of people are looking for?
3: Thanks, Corey. Uh, That's not what we're looking for at the moment. Uh, We've discussed many times over the years. We are not that optimistic on the longer term prospects for the U.S. equity market. We think there's going to be a major, major reckoning. At some point, and, and maybe in the broader averages, maybe they did top out, you know, at the end of uh, 2021, early 2022. But at this point, I, I think that rally that started in October, that intermediate term rally, still has legs to it. As at least that's what our data, our models are, suggest the quality of that rally, especially in November, December, was was good enough that it suggests... That we're not done is now a one-and-done shot. And that reversal at the beginning of the year is probably not it for that rally. So I do think after this pullback, this pause consolidation depends on what sector you're looking at to describe the nature of this kind of consolidation or pullback. But I do think once once, it over, once it's over, we do get another extension of that rally. And in a, in a wide array of market sectors as suggested by, you know, the quality and the participation that we saw in November December. So we are looking for further extension, therefore, of that rally before, you know, the the, the meat of the next bear market, or I should say, the next leg down of the bear market does take hold.
2: Well, Dana, last time we talked with you, you mentioned something I was surprised by, that some of the value sector ETFs we're doing better than many people uh, expected in in light of small caps and tech and the growth sector doing so well. How would you contrast now the setup in, let's say, the tech and growth stocks versus the value stocks? Well,
3: it's interesting because, as I mentioned, there is a fairly wide swath of market segments that are well positioned at least for another near-to-intermediate-term rally. Uh, Longer-term, that may not be the case, but at least a, an extension of that uh, post-October bounce that we saw. And Obviously, obviously on the one hand, you have uh, the growth stocks. you got the tech segment, uh, large-cap tech. That has held up extremely well. It's actually sitting right at uh, new all-time highs. That is positioned well. So that, we do expect that to continue to lead the way. On the one hand, on the other hand, you have a couple segments in the value space, specifically a couple tickers. I'll give you R F V and R Z V, which uh, represent mid cap pure value and small cap pure value areas of the market, which uh, strip out really any 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 semblance of any growth in those segments. And uh, surprise, you might be surprised to find out that unlike kind of the the, the broader small and mid cap indices. These have actually gone back to new highs. So uh, I think so from that perspective, from a pure value standpoint, there are pockets that are not only set up in the near term for extension of the rally, but those are areas that are not even close to as extended or frothy as some of the, the growthier segments like the tech segments that have really run over the last you know, year or decade, even some of these value plays have more, perhaps longer term, durable uh, potential behind it. So uh, from that perspective, we're playing kind of both sides of the spectrum. And while we're not proponents of diversification for the sake of diversification, when something, when you have a wide area of segments, market segments that are actually displaying relative strength, that's a good, a good sense, a good kind of a definition of diversification.
2: So, Dana, does anything individually stand out to you? It does seem like a lot of these markets, again, kind of trading within itself. But any sectors that really are just screaming higher or completely breaking down in your eyes?
3: Breaking down, no. Uh, outside of, you know, we've got some few international markets. China's, for one, has been certainly awful. But you have a handful of international markets that are continuing to move to new highs. Japan, we like a lot. India, we continue to like a lot. And then from a domestic perspective, you have, like I mentioned, a a good, you know, kind of fairly wide array of areas that are working right now from tech, like I mentioned, some of the industrial space, some of those value plays that I mentioned, and then some uh, more specific areas, aerospace and defense, Continues to move to new highs. Something like insurance continues to move to to new highs. So, unlike maybe that rally that we saw into July of this past year, that was uh, extremely narrow. You've got, you know, like I mentioned, you've got a fairly wide um, assortment of areas that uh, that uh, that represent opportunities right now, which I know is. Uh, on the one hand, a good place to be in that you have, you know, a a number of different targets to throw the darts at. And in addition to that, it represents kind of a a, a better foundation beneath the rally, beneath the market right now that should at least give more fodder again to the notion that there should be extension of this rally before the next collapse occurs. Because you usually don't have a collapse coming from conditions that are, you know, that 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 include more of a broad array, a broad participation of uh constructive sectors like we're seeing right now. So that's another that's a, another area that, that a, 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 another factor that keeps me fairly optimistic that, that at least we're gonna see an extension or a attempt at extension of that intermediate term rally before the next shoe drops for sure
2: well dana let's shift over to the commodity sector as you
4: know a lot of our audience is invested in resource stocks and uh, commodities themselves let's start off with the big boy gold you know and gold stocks uh, it's had a pretty
2: good run at the end of last year a very muted to lower move the beginning of this year what's your outlook on gold and then conversely how do the gold stocks fit into the picture
3: Sure. Really, nothing has changed that much. Um, as you know, gold, we're very optimistic uh, about. I think uh, from a long-term perspective, it's set up extremely well. We had that rally to uh, the COVID top and have pretty much gone sideways for the last four years and, and, and avoided really losing any of those gains outside of you know some ups and downs, some some consolidation and um, kind of working off some of that froth that was built up. So now I think there's plenty of fuel. There's plenty of ammo for uh, not only a breakout, but more of a sustainable breakout when we do break out. Cause it's not as, like I mentioned conditions aren't as frothy as they were certainly four years ago. So you could see, Uh, run to substantial new highs if we do get that breakout now and the flip side the obviously the gold miners and um, the equities within the space are not as constructive right now they've pretty much been very uninspired for the last several years with that being said we do have smaller positions in the silver and gold mining stocks Uh, Just from uh, an ETF perspective, because if we do get that breakout win in in gold, that should lift up, um, obviously, the mining space, uh, and it could happen in a hurry. So that's why we're holding a smaller position there, even though the charts aren't, like I mentioned, that inspiring right now in the short term.
2: Thank you for listening to GCN. sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
5: Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare.
1: weekly fix on finance and investing. This is the Corlin Economics Report. Welcome back.
2: Replaying now a company update from Friday, FPX Nickel. The company welcomed another strategic investor that invested in the company at a premium to market. Again, this was posted on Friday. So to hear the full interview, just click on that Friday posting. Hey everyone, welcome in to another daily editorial here on the KE Report. I'm getting an update from FPX Nickel, traded on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol FPX, and on the OTCQB under the symbol FPOCF. I am chatting with the President and CEO Martin Turan. FPX Nickel, focused at the Descartes Nickel District in Central British Columbia. That holds the Baptiste Deposit, which is one of the largest undeveloped nickel projects in the world. I've chatted with Martin a number of times about how the company is continuing to de-risk this asset, and now I'm following up on news that came out January 17th, where FPX brought in another strategic investor, Sumitomo Metal Mining, for $14.4 million. That brings Sumitomo's interest to 9.9% on a non-diluted basis. Martin, look, the company already has... uh, other strategics in the stock so how does Sumitomo now fit into this mix of strategic investors in fpx
4: sure thanks Corey. so first of all just quickly on the background of Sumitomo. so they're japan's largest uh, mining and metal processing company they're also outside of china they're the leading uh, producer of nickel sulfate and the precursor cathode active materials for the uh, ev battery sector so they're they're really ex-China. They're, they're a leader in producing nickel in the form required for, for battery raw materials. Secondly, they also have a long experience in the history of collaboration and partnership with Western mining companies on large-scale mining projects. The one that's probably been most closely followed in the market over the last few years is uh, Tex QB2 operation in Chile, which has been going through construction, is now ramping to per, to full production. So they are sort of viewed as a partner of choice for Western mining companies, particularly in those scenarios where you have a large CapEx project where you might have a large established mining company in place as the majority owner with Sumitomo as a minority interest partner and kind of playing a role there to help fund projects and, and, and bring them into fruition. So as far as mining partners in our sector, it really doesn't get any better than Sumitomo. Now, in terms of how they fit in with the other strategics, so of course, as you mentioned, we have two other groups who hold uh, approximately 9 to 10% of FPX as well. One is orokumpu large stainless steel producer in europe europe 's largest stainless steel uh, company. They certainly fit in there as a potential customer or consumer of nickel units that would be produced from this operation uh, in the future. And in the other group, uh, we have not uh, disclosed the identity of the other confidential investor. I would just say that these three groups are all com- complementary to each other. They all fit in in different parts of the nickel supply chain. And uh, at the end of the day, I think what we're doing here is we're introducing the right types of partners who can all potentially work together. And it really sets the, sets the table for uh, ultimately bringing the project into uh, construction and into operation in future years.
2: Now, Martin, one thing that I think we should address right away is that on the back of this strategic investment, we didn't really see any share price movement, unfortunately. It was very muted in terms of market reaction. Why doesn't the market seem to care about another strategic and one that is a miner entering the company?
4: Yeah, it is a bit dumbfounding uh, for sure. You know, we, we did the equity offering here at $0.48 cents per share. You know, our our 20-day volume weighted average price prior to the offering was $0.28 a share, so it represents about a 72% premium to market. I'm not aware, I don't know if you are, Corey, of, of other companies being able to raise at that big a premium for a simple private placement. You sometimes see those types of premiums for takeovers, but but certainly not for, for customary private placements. One of the things that I think is very specific to the stock right now is we have had since early December, if people look back at the trading history we have had a single, what, what appears to us to be a single dedicated seller selling through uh, Anonymous, who has represented since early to mid-December approximately 70% of the selling volume has come from through Anonymous. And, and our suspicion is, is potentially through a single account or a single shareholder. We, we don't know the identity of that shareholder of that account but we've continued to see that selling pressure. I think that when that selling pressure from that particular shareholder lifts, then there won't be the same type of ceiling on the share price. But I do think you know, this release comes out in the midst of that of that very persistent selling from a single, what, what appears to us to be a single account or shareholder. And that's an important context, I think, to, to, to realize here. It's not broad-based selling or selling volume. It really is highly concentrated on what, appear, what appears to us to be a single account. And I think when, you know, as you well know, as an experienced investor in this sector, it's important to kind of look under the hood sometimes into that trading history to understand what's driving these stocks from day to day, who's selling, who's buying. And when you see that particular concentration on the sell side, you know, that that can certainly have a dampening impact.
2: So Martin, sometimes we do see that kind of selling pressure when uh, companies or funds or just investors know that a company needs financing, but now you just brought in $14.4 million. I know you weren't running low on cash, so where does the company stand in terms of cash in the bank?
5: Yeah, so we've
4: got about $42 million in the bank, or we will on closing of this financing, which is a really strong position to be. You know, these large projects do entail significant expenditure from year to year to continue to advance them. Um, so it's always important to stay ahead of the curve there and make sure you're putting money in the bank. And doing it at a slightly lower price than we did the last couple of financings, but at a much, much higher price percentage premium, which really just speaks to the uh, the intensity of interest that we saw, not just from Sumitomo, but from other parties. And we're able to kind of leverage that to, to drive the, the best uh, possible deal for for shareholders from both the short, medium and long term standpoint here.
2: How do you go about leveraging the partners that you have then to bring in possibly a larger financing package, something that could bring this project into or closer to construction?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing for sure. You know, it's certainly not within our considerations here in the short or even the medium term. That's more of a longer term uh, issue around sort of project finance to actually construct the mine. What I can tell you is that the three groups that are involved in here, um, uh, Strategics, uh, Sumitomo, Otakampu, and the other confidential group, they are all sort of tier one companies, each in their respective space. And so that kind of endorsement from these types of large uh, companies uh, with, you know, multinational operations, et cetera, et cetera, should, should serve to, to kind of validate the project both for retail and institutional funds, looking at shorter term equity options, as well as, you know, putting together the right package from a project finance standpoint. But again, that's, that's still uh, several years away.
2: So then in the near term, what is the company? What's FPX going to do to continue to de-risk this asset?
4: Yeah so in the very near term, the, the next thing to look for is just the, the two other strategics do have a participation rate. Right? they, they do, do do have the opportunity to elect to participate in this financing on the same
2: terms. And so we will have news on that in the coming weeks. All right, we're out of time for this segment on the radio. But, again, to hear that full interview, it was posted on Friday. I'm going to be right back replaying another interview from Gold Hunter Resources, a monetization of a key asset for the company. To
1: find out more about today's guests, visit us on the web at www.kereport.com. You're listening to the Corlin Economics Report. We'll be back in a moment.
10: for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com
11: today.
5: People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few. In one month, my blood pressure dropped significantly. I no longer get chest pain after exercise. It's amazing, and I ordered my second bottle. The reviews are spot on. My target is to get off BP meds, and if it keeps going like this, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. So far, a great product is what it claims to be. Great product. A few days in, and I could feel a difference for certain. Not checking medical stats yet. I know this is really working by how I feel. We'll continue to take this product. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit Extendivite.com.
12: USA News Update. News reports say a prosecutor in Donald Trump's Georgia criminal case paid for the Fulton County District Attorney to accompany him on flights. Court documents showing that prosecutor Nathan Wade purchased multiple flights for him and DA Fawney Willis in the months before they hit Trump with election interference charges. Meanwhile, former President Donald Trump has some clout behind him with another endorsement. Former GOP presidential candidate and Senator Tim Scott. Of South Carolina. A grand jury now has to decide whether any law enforcement officers should be criminally charged for the failed response to the Robb Elementary shooting. This development coming a day after a report by the Department of Justice saying that the Uvalde shooting was an unimaginable horror and a series of cascading failures. Corey Myers, USA News.
13: Thank <laughs>
1: Providing unique reporting on markets and companies since 1990. This is the Corlin Economics Report.
2: Welcome back. As promised, this is a replay from an interview posted again on Friday from Gold Hunter Resources. A acquisition made for the company, already a return of capital for shareholders. So please listen to this interview and click on that Friday posting for the full interview. Everyone, welcome in to a, another daily editorial here on the KE Reports. In this daily editorial, I am introducing a new company on the show and a company that already has a deal behind it. Uh, I'm chatting with Gold Hunter Resources, traded on the CSE under the symbol H U N T, and uh, Sean Kingsley, the president and CEO of Gold Hunter. Now, Gold Hunter initially focused in Newfoundland. But I'm having the company on because there's already been a transaction on the company's project in Newfoundland with Firefly Metals. This is an Australian company listed on the ASX under the symbol FFM. That agreement was announced back on December 21st. And just yesterday, we had news regarding a dividend that will be paid to current gold hunter shareholders because of this 15, about 15 million dollar transaction where Firefly Metals is growing its land package in Newfoundland by taking over gold hunters project. Now, Sean, it's your first time on the show. I've known you for a long time, and you just entered Gold Hunter as the president and CEO back in June, and now we already have this transaction. Can you just walk us through the timeline here of you entering the company and then bringing Firefly Metals to take over the project, please?
10: Corey, of course. So thanks for having me on the show. To begin with, obviously, we've known each other for a long time, and I'm a big uh, fan and supporter, and I listen all the time to your show, so thanks for having me on for the first time. Timeline. So, essentially, you're right, I did come in June of last year, and things transpired uh, even quicker, but I have been involved or around uh, the company since its inception, I was the individual to introduce the project out in the Baver Peninsula within, uh, in Newfoundland. A little over two years ago, uh, we did some site visits. Um, it's, it's an amazing overlooked or underlooked uh, area of Newfoundland with infrastructure with very high-grade copper gold ex or past producing mines, um, in and around the project. Um, but what was really interesting was last year, uh, Rambler metals and mining, they were operating, uh, uh, the Ming mine, which was in production, uh, last year, uh, that went into receivership last year and it was kind of in limbo, you know, pretty much, uh, the community of Bay vert, uh, the province of Newfoundland really had no idea, you know, What's moving forward? Because you got to keep in mind that this Ming mine was, you know, it was in production and it pretty much serviced or, you know, provided so much uh, jobs, uh, so much support to the community. And with the not not even a decommission, just a straight shutdown um, into receivership, it was essentially the lowest it could be within the community, within the area, within the province uh, for. For this mine uh, to go into receivership. So, you know, we were kind of joking around. I, I have a lot of friends out in Newfoundland. Uh, I've been going out there since I guess 2014. And you know, we were joking around that you know this is potentially the bottom for for the area. You know, people are being owed money. There's a lot of question marks. But we we came in there with with an idea of doing a consolidation. We had a lot of relationships out there that had projects. Uh, it was it was very deconstructed or it was it was very fragmented. So we worked with you know eight to 10 to 12 different prospectors and families to consolidate the project. Um, I was only the, I guess the introducer to the project and the area and the people uh, involved for Gold Hunter. But, you know, over the course of a year and a half, two years, um, nothing was really uh, moving forward quickly. So when I jumped in, um, it was still in receivership, the Ming Mind. And when I jumped in in June, I think within two or three weeks... Um, receivership uh, courts were finalizing uh purchaser for it uh, i believe there's two or three bidders for it and we found out that Australian company uh, at the time Oteco o- o- Minerals acquired the assets or the Ming mine for i believe it was 60 million Australian dollars which you know in the markets were inquiry, that's that it, it was quite surprising and amazing for their, you know, vote of confidence uh in that deposit. So that really that really bolstered us because we literally surrounded them uh with this uh uh consolidated land package, I think it was about fifteen thousand hectares, uh, completely surrounding or almost completely surrounding the Ming Mine. And so we thought, okay, well this is great, you know, Bayvert's uh area, it's 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 kind of on its bottom, is bottoming out. So there's a new group coming in. I didn't I wasn't familiar with the new group, but I'm now very, very familiar and very, very excited that they're here in the province of Newfoundland and working on this project and shouldn't be uh, our combined projects. So we thought, okay, well, if these guys are coming in, they're very aggressive. Because when they announced the deal the same day, Corey, they're like, we're not putting the main mine back into production. We want to create value for our shareholders. We're going to immediately commence a 40,000-meter drill program to expand the known deposits and, and areas. And we thought to ourselves... Um, you know, this is a great opportunity. You know, these guys are coming in here very aggressively, spending the money to do work properly because the Ming mine was in operations, but the company and the group that that were operating it and owned the deposit, they had no ambitions to grow it. They just wanted the cash flow. Um, In in my point of view, I I should disclaim that, but this new group with which is now called Firefly Metals, Wanted to come in here and create value and spend money in the ground. Firefly is run by an amazing group that uh, has has had tremendous success. Less less than a decade, they turned one company from 10 million market cap into, I think, it's 1.7 billion today into a producing asset from a discovery um, so they have the capabilities the wherewithal uh, technical uh, prowess and uh, you know abilities to raise capital and be aggressive at it so so we can we consolidate a little bit more with our partners in the in the prospectors and families out to, uh, in the Bay vert uh, Peninsula we approached uh, firefly slash oteco and said hey you know pretty much do you guys want to check out our stuff you know there's a lot of uh a lot of smoke around, a lot of uh, great intersects. I think we have three or four past producing pits or mines on the property itself. So, you know, I think 200,000 meters of drilling. Uh, we did a lot of data compilation. So there's a lot of smoke on the properties surrounding the main mine. And yeah, pretty much it happened very, very fast. And, you know, yesterday's, you know, yesterday's just icing on the cake where, you know, instead of Gold Hunter retaining the fifteen million dollars worth of shares of Firefly, uh, we've decided to make it a win for all of our investors and dividend note. So it's it's a win, especially you know it's not a home run, it's you know uh, one or two bases. But if we can continue to you know hit one or two bases, it's going to turn into home runs, which is kind of what we need in a bad market like this. OK, so
2: since you didn't mention that dividend, dividending those shares out to shareholders, if you look at the share price of Firefly Metals on the Australian exchange compared to where uh, Gold Hunter stands, there, there's an arbitrage opportunity here. But again, is that maybe because Canadian shareholders might have some trouble trading Australian listed shares? Why is there this arbitrage that we see
10: after this announcement? I should preface that, um, we will have an AGM on March 8th that will vote, uh, for the transaction plus the dividend, uh, item. Um, in regards to just the details on, you know, uh, if you were to become a shareholder of Gold Hunter today or before the, the specific date, uh, to be a shareholder to, uh, get a, a dividend share or dividend shares of a tech slash Firefly, you will be getting Australian shares.
11: Dot .com gcnfood.com Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose treat or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to gcnteam.com or call eight seven seven eight seven eight forty two o three. We'll email you a copy for free. That's eight seven seven eight seven eight forty two o three.
8: The complete website is ShopSuperT.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100, shopsupert.com.
14: It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com.
2: All right, final segment of this weekend edition. This was a replay from a posting on Facebook. Thursday from Kennerland Minerals. It was uh, probably one of the bright spots in a lot of people's portfolios if you held Kennerland Minerals when the company announced the news back on Tuesday during those rough days for precious metals stocks. Kennerland announced the conversion of a 20% joint venture interest in a project that they staked about seven years ago into a 4% net smelter royalty. And again, the market took notice of it. It was nice to see a share price moving higher on the back of some positive news. We walk through exactly what it means for the company in terms of growing up into more of a royalty company from a prospect generator. I hope you all enjoy, and I hope you all have a great rest of your weekend. Hey everyone, welcome in to another daily editorial here on the KE Reports. I'm getting an update from Kennerland Minerals, traded on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol KLD, on the OTCQX under the symbol KLDCF, as well as on the Frankfurt Exchange under the symbol 3WQ0. I am chatting with the president and CEO, Zach Flood. Big news out of Kennerland Minerals that came out earlier this week on January 16th. The company converted its 20% joint venture interest in the FROTET project in Quebec. To a 4% net smelter royalty, the project is now being run or taken over by Sumitomo Metal Mining, which was the 80% joint venture interest here. And Some of the highlights of this project is Kennerland Minerals staked this project back in 2017, so only less than seven years ago, the company had undertaken a handful of drill programs over that period the jv was entered into in 2018 so zach take us through this deal converting your 20 percent joint interest into a four percent net smelter royalty it sure seems like sumitomo liked what they were seeing through the drill programs over the last few years
15: definitely yep i mean they are a mining company and they, they wouldn't be advancing this as steadily as they've been unless they, they see the potential for this to become one of their operations. So the deal was perfect timing for us. It's starting to get very expensive there for looking forward into infill drilling and and economic studies and all the other work you need to do to, you know, prepare something for development. It's I, I would say it's a, it's a problem for any junior to be able to finance these things. And we still retain a huge amount of upside on the project. I mean, it's an incredible deal, really. We don't have to spend another dime here. We have you know, exposure to 4% of the total value of any gold that comes out of the ground in the future, regardless of, you know, profitability or margins or whatnot. As long as that mine is producing gold, we get 4% or whatever that is uh, at the price of gold. So massive exposure to the gold price, any future production. Obviously, if Sumitomo decides to, to develop something here, that means... It's going to be big and that 4% royalty even if it's bought down to 3.25 percent is going to be worth multiples of where we're trading at today. so to me Kenland's now a obvious buy and you know I've been in the market in the last couple of days as well and uh, it's very exciting very exciting time for, for our, all of our shareholders.
2: This really is kind of a growing up of the company because, look, uh, Kennerlyn Minerals is a prospect generator and exploration company. We've talked about the major companies that you have JV deals with, option agreements with that are moving other assets forward. But this is the first time that you've converted one of those deals into a royalty. So I do have to ask, what do you do with this royalty? Are you going to monetize it or are you simply going to keep it within the company to show value? Yeah,
15: we're definitely not looking to mon- monetize this um, anytime soon. I think that there's going to be so much value that's going to be created as Sumitomo continues to advance the project. We're still early days on the project. You know, by the end of the drill, upcoming drill program in the first quarter this year, there'll be about a hundred thousand meters of drilling. Right? These things require five hundred thousand meters of drilling to define a, a decent resource, up to a million meters of drilling, like down the road. Right? So. That kind of gives you a, an idea of where we're at in terms of the stage of the project. I am very confident in the quality of the deposit itself, and we've done preliminary met work. It all looks very good uh, at this stage. The scale is very large, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And through that work, I think it'll become more apparent, you know, what this could turn into, and that should translate into value creation through our market cap and share price. So it's, uh, it's very simple. Very simple investment thesis and value proposition now. it's you know will Sumitomo build a mine here? If the answer is yes, then there's a lot of money to be made and kind of in own stock.
2: Oh, and then Kennerlyn, you can argue, is a royalty company as well, as long as you hold on to that royalty. And, hey, we even saw the reaction in the market, too, after the last couple days that have been very tough on almost every resource stock, especially gold stocks. Kennerlyn was up large on the day that was announced. What about some of these buy-down options for this royalty? I know Sumitomo can buy the royalty down to an uncapped, three and a quarter percent royalty. Take us through some of those stages.
15: Yeah, there's a 0.25% buy down for 3 million that can be exercised within five years. And there's an additional 0.5% buy down for $10 million cash payment, which can be exercised within 10 years. So that would put about $13 million back into Kenderland's hands and, and would result in us owning a 3.25% royalty instead of a 4% royalty. So even in that scenario, 3.25% is huge upside. We've put about $7 million uh, into the project to date. So exercising those buybacks would actually kind of put us in the green from that standpoint. So we got, you know, generated this at a negative, net negative cash value or amount. Other than that, like the royalties, kind of free of any other, you know, there's no other weird quirks in the deal there. It's pretty straightforward. No roper. We've got great data rights, too, so we'll still be able to disclose to the market things that are happening on the project, which is really important, and, and not, people, not a lot of people realize how important that is. But uh, for us to be able to have our hands on the data, you know, generate resource calculations ourselves, see exploration results, it helps us make more informed decisions as well as uh, potential acquirers.
2: Okay, that was going to be my next question, because Kennerland, as the company, will remain operator for at least one year to facilitate this transition of operatorship to Sumitomo. Sounds like you also have access to the data, so we will be able to get news on how that project is advancing simply out of you, Kennerland, as the company.
15: That's right. That is the idea going forward. And we are operator for another year, uh, at least, at minimum. You know, I think the idea is is to transition operatorship to Sumitomo um, over that time period. But, you know, we could be operator for longer if they need us to. Uh, We just want to make sure that the project um, remains on track, and we're happy to facilitate that in any way we can.
10: Alright, well,
2: there's not much more to talk about in terms of this converting into a royalty, but hey, congratulations on that. I know that is a big stepping stone for the company. Let's talk about the other exploration going on on your other assets. The most recent interview that we did at the beginning of this year highlighted what it was like to work with major companies because you do work with so many major miners. I'll post a link to that interview so everyone can catch up on the companies that Kennerland is working with, but Zach, in terms of other exploration on the companies, I believe right around a dozen other projects, what's going on?
15: Uh, there's a lot going on, probably too much to discuss right here, but I will highlight a few things. Our Ontario portfolio is really growing. We staked a huge amount of ground in the Wabagoon subprovince. province uh, that's 100% owned now. We also have the South Uchi project in the Red Lake District of Ontario which is 100% owned as well, Um, and we've been advancing that towards um, hopefully drill stage in the coming future. But, you know, these projects are relatively grassroots, but we're applying the same exploration strategy and methodologies that led us to the the discovery of Protet, as well as uh, a discovery we made with Newmont last year in the Abitibi Greenstone Belt. So, you know, I think think we're just trying to repeat the success. Uh, We've got a good formula here. We've got an amazing team we've also staked a huge amount of ground up in northern Quebec all of this we're going to be you know advancing over the next year or so but we do have a, a lot of soul-funded exploration happening particularly in Ontario this coming summer so keep an eye out for that that's uh, to me you know some of the most exciting work we're doing in the portfolio.
1: The Corlin Economics Report is produced for A.B. Corlin and Associates. Opinions expressed on this program are intended solely for the entertainment of our listeners, do not constitute investment advice, and are not necessarily those of this network, radio station, or our sponsors. Find out more about this program and today's guests by visiting www.kereport.com. For Al Corlin, this is Colleen Robbins. Join us again next week for the Corlin Economics Report.
9: look for the free report crisis cooling how to make absolutely sure your meat milk and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage yours free at mysolarbackup.com
12: at social security we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier that's why we created my social security opening a my social security account gives you secure access to your personal record and interactive tools tailored for you you can see if you are eligible to receive benefits view spousal benefit estimates and compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates when you want to start receiving benefits already receiving benefits use your account to change your address set up or change direct deposit get a proof of income letter and more in most states you can also request a replacement Social Security card. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov/myaccount. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Produced at US taxpayer expense.